When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, here we go. Yes, it is a victory Monday. We are feeling outrageously good because you know why? The Pittsburgh Steelers are not dead. I was watching Harry Potter, the whole, all eight of them. And towards the end, when Voldemort comes out and goes, Harry Potter is dead because they show it every Christmas. And I'm thinking, is that what the NFL was saying about the Pittsburgh Steelers back? On October 31st, the day after the debacle in Philadelphia, Halloween, yes, that's what they were saying. But the Pittsburgh Steelers are not dead, and it feels so good. It feels so right. This is the hangover, and you know this is a very good hangover to have. Shannon White is here. Tony Defio is here. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Make sure you check out BTSC for all of your favorite podcasts, wherever you download your favorite podcast, if it's Steelers. It is here. I hope you had a chance to check out a great episode of Let's Ride this morning. The post-game show last night with Dave Schofield and myself was very fun and also had an episode of Bad Language. Tomorrow, you're going to have Jeffrey Benedict and another episode of The Cutting Room Floor, which is always a good film breakdown on audio, and another episode of The Fix with uh, two very sad guys right now, Shannon and Tony, because you've got an Ohio State fan and you've got a Michigan fan in Andrew Wilbar and in the form of Jeremy Betts. And they're going to be a little upset (laughs) about uh, the fact that their team is not going to be playing next week in college football, but this isn't about college football. This is about the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is not about the draft. This is about a chance to go to the playoffs playoffs. Yes. Playoffs, my friend. So let's do it. Shannon white. How are you this evening? I am wonderful. I I watched uh, the post game show last night with with you and and uh, Dave and and it was just enjoyed. It. Y'all did a great job and and uh, you know Dave even said you know yeah. man I he almost hit it you know sixteen and twelve prediction and and you you know you praised him and everything and I'm sitting there like okay you know who <laughs> nailed the prediction yeah somebody nailed the prediction coming. and I didn't I didn't want to say. Say it. I didn't want to toot my own horn, but I kept waiting, and it never happened. So I was like, "Well, that's disappointing." But but what a game! I mean, what a uh, um, 
a learning experience for all these young guys. And, and you know, the Kenny Pickett has the four C's. He's calm, cool, collected, and clutch. And that last one is huge. And he's the first rookie quarterback ever to have back-to-back game-winning touchdown drives in the last minute. So he's everything that we was hoping for. Uh, people can still hate him all they want. You know, whatever. He's got small hands but big balls. And as we've seen, you know, Jeff shared, Jeff shared that tweet today, and I love it because, uh, you know, that you can win – if you got a clutch quarterback, you can win with a you know an excellent roster around him, and that's what the Steelers are shooting for. Shannon, we gave you credit on bad language. We did not know that you hit it just right. We didn't know that it was sixteen to thirteen. But I did say something on bad language that I'm sure Shannon will pat himself on the back. <laughs> and so I patted you on the back before you got a chance to on bad language. If you would listen to my show, you would know. Well, on Mondays, I'm writing, uh, working on my next article and all, and I don't get to catch a lot of Monday stuff because, you know, we have this as well. So I know you could tell me. <laughs> <laughs> nice cover, Shannon. <laughs> Full of crap, but we love you. Uh, Tony, what's going on, buddy? Happy New Year to you and Shannon, everybody in the live chat, everybody in the Steeler Nation. And I am fired up. I haven't been this fired up after a game all year. I love, love when they win in Baltimore. It's just my favorite. Steelers victory, other than the Super Bowl, of course. But uh, this is this is a close second. I love it. And, and uh, what I saw from Kenny Pickett in that last drive, I mean, that f- finally we have that that it moment. I think not an it game yet, but that it drive. So many clutch uh, passes in that last drive, and the, th- rolling to his left, and uh, that dime to to, to Steven Sims. Uh, finally, we got to see a passes from him uh, that makes you believe that this guy can be something special. Once they finally, uh, once he finally learns, and, and they they take the uh, handcuffs off, hopefully uh, by next year. But who knows? Maybe by the playoffs if they somehow make it. But who wouldn't? Why would you rather talk about the draft than one week left and you're still alive for the playoffs? It's more tangible now than it was a few weeks ago. Even last week, you can see it. You can see it. The light at the end of the tunnel. I am. I am so. This is my favorite time of the year. Give me playoffs, and especially with, with the Steelers in the playoffs. Woo! I'm so excited. Yeah, I, uh... I tell you what, I share your excitement. Let's talk about that path to the playoffs because it is not as daunting as it has been in past years. No. I re- I know Tony and Shannon remember 1989 very well. Oh, that yeah. was a very fun season. Uh, the Steelers, uh, I'm telling you this, the Steelers weren't nearly as good as what they are now back in 1989. And they almost went to the AFC Championship. And what had to happen? Oh my gosh, it was major. New Orleans had to beat Indianapolis. The New York Giants, in Indianapolis, by the way, the New York Giants (laughs) had to go, uh, um, actually had the Oakland Raiders. No, they were the Los Angeles Raiders at the time. They had the Raiders at home, and they the Giants uh, were not a great team back then. They had to beat the Giants. And then, excuse me, the Giants had to beat the Raiders. And then on Christmas night, the Minnesota Vikings had to beat the Cincinnati mm-hmm. Bengals and the Steelers would then join. There was only five teams back then. And they would join two other AFC central teams, the Houston Oilers and the Cleveland Browns in the playoffs. And they had to beat the Buccaneers themselves and mother nature helped out because the coldest ever game to that point in Tampa Bay around 32 degrees 
happened and the Steelers were playing in Tampa and Tampa didn't know what to do. And it felt so good as the Steelers won. Then you can talk about other years like 2013, where everything had to happen. Right. And you didn't get the Ryan suck up help that you wanted, but you almost did you, everything else fell into place. And that was three games that had to fall into place. And Pittsburgh had to take care of business against the Browns and they did, but then Andy Reid set everybody and their brother and then a rookie kicker <laughs> screws it up anyways. Then you have, I believe it might be 14 or 15. I'm not sure what year it was, but it, it very easily could have been 16. I, I'm not sure, but you had to have the Buffalo Bills go out and beat the Jets. And I'm not sure what, what year that was. And 15. That was 15? Okay. Mm-hmm. And then they got into the playoffs, and then they had that crazy game against Cincinnati. But that went right. Everything went right for the Steelers there. Then just uh, last year, you had to have everything fall into place with, a. I think they were a one-win Jaguars team beating a uh, Indianapolis team that was on the precipice of the playoff. And that happened. So now, what do you need to have happen? What do you need to have? You have to have stuff happen two weeks in a row. And the first week, it happened. Seattle went ahead and beat the Jets in Seattle, and they beat them handily. And Mm -hmm. then New England had to beat Miami. Now we've got to turn around and root for the Jets, who we were rooting against yesterday, and root against the Patriots who we were rooting for yesterday. So we got to do a complete flip-flop there and hope it can happen. Now, right before we went on, we got some news with, uh, I always forget his name, I Mike McDaniel, who is an amazing coach, a great personality, said that Tua is not part of the plans for mm-hmm. Sunday. So don't even think about Tua in that game is basically what he was saying. He's not a part of the plans. That concussion, especially being the third concussion, is something very major. So he's not going to be playing. You're going to be going with Skylar Thompson. And he did not look great in in action yesterday. But the Jets are the Jets. So you don't know (laughs) what you're going to get out of the New York Jets. So that's going to be a very interesting game. I can't wait to see that. And then you have the Patriots playing Buffalo. So, Shannon, who are you rooting for tonight in Monday Night Football? Bengals and Bills. Well, uh, Jeremy Betts said it yesterday in the Slack channel that if the Bills win tonight, then they'll need to play their starters, or you think that it would behoove them to play their starters to secure that number one seed in the final week. If they lose tonight and they're – you know, locked into whatever position it's going to be, there's a good chance that they'll rest some starters or play them only half the game. Because, you know, th- then they won't have to win. It won't have the same importance to them as it does the the uh, Patriots. So uh, I'm actually pulling for the Bills tonight, not just because I can't stand Cincinnati, but I want them to have something to play for that final week. Tony, what are your thoughts on this? Because I have some different thoughts that I'm going to throw out there. Well, obviously, I want the Bills to win tonight because I want them to have uh, something to play for next week. I want that top seed is such a, a, a carrot for these teams now with only one one bye. So, obviously, I want the Bills to win tonight uh, so they just can throttle the uh, the Patriots next week. But 
I mean, I think even if they lose tonight, uh, it'll still be in play depending on what the Chiefs do. Plus, I think the number two seed will still be in play, which it doesn't come with the bye anymore, but you get two, two home games in a row if you if you win round one. So that's you have to you have to look at that as an incentive if you're if you're a team in the playoffs. Uh, that number two seed, you know, it doesn't have a bye. You want to get two uh, two games at home. That's that's their advantage than having the three seed. So, but I think even if they lose, I get the feeling they're gonna they're gonna play their their starters um, most of uh, next. Because uh, I don't think you want to go into the playoffs uh, losing or whatever it would be for them. That's what I'm thinking, but I want them to lose. I'm actually rooting for Cincinnati now. Before Brian Brown goes crazy on me because Brian is a he will. He's like, he's a lot like Marky D. You know, you can't say anything about the Bengals, but here's oh, the reason I don't. want the Bengals. Oh. What? What's that? What I do, Tony? These people that don't, no, no, these people that won't root for the Steelers' best interest. Who cares about the, who the enemy is? Just root for the Steelers' best interest. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, so here's 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 the thing. The, here's why I hear what everybody's saying about. Wanting, uh, having something to play for next week. I don't think Mr. McDermott up in Buffalo is the kind of guy to rest a whole lot of people. And I also feel like he's he's kind of the co- coach that is not going to want to go. Um, he's definitely not want to you know lose out, lose uh, two games in a row yeah, yeah. In, the season, in the season, especially against a divisional foe. So the reason I'm looking at the Bengals is I'm kind of looking ahead. And the reason I'm looking ahead, because I don't think the Bills will tank. If the Bengals win, there's a possibility that the Bengals could end up with that number two seed. And if it's the number two seed that the Bengals have, then what do you do? You have looks like the Pittsburgh Steelers playing the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. And I would much rather go to Cincinnati than going to Kansas city or going to Buffalo. Right. So that's a look, I I get it. Hold up. We got to beat the Browns first Myrna. I get it. I I know, but we got to talk about this stuff. If if not, we're just going to have a a whole show about, about what you got to do, but these games kind of go hand in hand. If the Steelers lose, it's all for naught. That's fine, but we're still going to talk about it. So, I we are not we don't look ahead. I don't look ahead, but you got to think. I also said if the Steelers make the playoffs, then you want to do that. If you take it one day at a time, then we just don't have a show. So, that's why I'm doing it this way. So, anyways, if we go ahead and look at it with them playing Cincinnati. They almost beat Cincinnati not too long ago. They already won in Cincinnati this year, and get, and they know how to play that team. So I feel so much better in week 19 playing the Cincinnati Bengals. But I don't even know if it'll shake out that way, too. I I have a feeling that uh, they might have they might end up with the number one seed if they win, so I'm not sure. But anyways, I... Watch this game tonight for fun and worry about the rest of the schedule later. Sure. But we do know that the Steelers play at one o'clock. None of the games that are going to affect them are going to happen on Saturday. So do you guys happen to know the times on the Saturday games? 
I know Jeff put it up earlier, but I the it's two Saturday and actually the Sun. I'm sorry, the Sunday games, Tony. And then oh, Jeff oh. had it on our breaking. Oh, they're news. all one o'clock Sunday. Yeah, everything's one o'clock. All three of the Everything. games that matter for the Steelers are one o'clock. Yep, you're great. absolutely correct. So the Jets at Miami is at <laughs> one o'clock, and the Patriots at the Bills is at one o'clock. So really interesting there. It looks like I'm going to have three three TVs going. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, man, it's going to be exciting. Now, let's talk about uh, your knee-jerk reactions to the actual game. Let's start with Tony. When did you actually think that the Steelers were going to win that game? Oh, uh, to be honest, not until uh, not until I, I saw uh, Kenny Pickett roll to his left and hit Najee Harris with that touchdown. I mean, that, you know, that's when I thought, all right, because I, I was, you know, with, with this offense this year, their inability to, to, to come through when they get into the red zone, including last night in the first half, you, you just you just never think you're going to score until they actually do. So it wasn't until then. But I still felt uneasy after that because, you know, there were 56 seconds left and you have Justin Tucker who can connect from 66 yards away. So uh, I didn't start to think that they could win until, until Najee, but I didn't, I didn't uh, relax until – Micah Fitzpatrick had that interception. So that was my knee-jerk reaction was uh, uh, I wasn't surprised how the game unfolded. It's how it always unfolds between these two teams. Um, uh, there's always some frustrating thing that happens, like the Cam Hayward penalty that was that was ridiculous. That that you know if they lose, you look back on it and go, oh man, I can't believe they lost because of that. But thankfully, that didn't factor in at the end because they they found a way to come back and win. Shannon, what about you? When did you feel like that this was a possibility? Because I went to the shower at halftime. I took a shower, changed mm -hmm. my clothes. I felt like I needed to wash the stench of this game off um, in the first half because I was so mad about the Cam Hayward thing, which was <laughs> not Cam Hayward. And I've got a theory about that that I shared on Bad Language. I'm going to share with you guys in a moment. But Shannon, what about you? Uh, like Tony, I've... <sighs> When he actually made the pass uh, to, uh, to Harrison and they took that three-point lead, that's when I really – because up to that point, I said, is this too much to ask? I mean, you <laughs> have a rookie quarterback last week and one of the most high-stakes, high-pressure games that you can imagine for a rookie quarterback in a regular season atmosphere. I mean, that was incredible. And he was able to come through in the clutch against a – uh, Raiders team that it's, you know, they give the 49ers a good run for their money yesterday, but the Raiders are, um, you know, another team that, you know, uh, below average. Uh, yesterday, the Steelers were going up against a playoff team, their most hated division rival uh, in Baltimore. I said, is this too much to do it two weeks in a row? So I was, I was a little bit concerned, but the way they handled the situation – I've heard people say, well, you know, it was just the Steelers offense struggled all game. It was a boring game. It was whatever. That was beautiful. For a football purist like myself, that's football. The level of physicality, the intensity, every yard mattered. It was a slugfest. It was fundamentally sound. Both teams played clean football. The only turnover was at the end that when Fitzpatrick sold the game. Uh, if it wasn't for the terrible penalty called on Hayward, uh, the game might not even been in that situation at the end. 
it might have been a tie game and they might have been driving for a a uh, field goal. So I, I just think that that it was a beautiful game. Again, I don't care as much about the playoffs and about that as, as, as I know both of you do. I'm so excited because of the growth and the potential that we're seeing come to fruition here late in the season. Everything we've been asking for, that's what we're starting to see, and that bodes well for the future. Winning games is just an added bonus. That's like playing with house money, you know, icing on the cake. If the Steelers could get in the playoffs, that's even more experience for this young collection of talent, which is looking like it could be something special. But most of all, that offensive line, signing James Daniels and Mason Cole for the amount of money they got for young players with such proven experience and potential was uh, a coup, a windfall for the Steelers because that offensive line has played together all year. They've stayed healthy, and they've improved right along every step of the way. And they did something that nobody does. They dominated the trenches on the Ravens in Baltimore. They had went 15 straight quarters without giving up a touchdown, which I think it was dates back to 20, I mean, 2006 or 2008 for the longest such streak. Well, the Steelers ended that. They were the third best rushing defense in the NFL, and the Steelers put up 200 yards on them. Now, not counting the nil downs at the end. So, I mean, they did what you supposedly can't do to the Ravens. And they played, showed the defensive creativity to stop what happened to them the first time they played the Ravens. So, um, as much as I want to see them make the playoffs, and, and I do, I'm just already super excited because they've had two straight playoff-type atmospheres, you know, in a row, and they've come through in both of them. So, that's what I'm most excited about. Well, I want to talk about one more guy on that offensive line, but first I'd like to uh, go to my experience at McDonald's today. Hello, welcome to the McDonald's drive-thru. May I help you? Yeah, I'd like to order me one of those McRow sandwiches because I was wrong about uh, Chooks McCorafor and that. Yes, uh, the McCrow <laughs> sandwich. Da -da 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 -da. I'm loving it. All right, I was wrong. I, we were live on this show when they signed choose the core for and i made a big stink and i uh -huh. i complained and i moaned about it but i tell you what they know a lot more than i do and it worked and he has played well as well everybody on that line is i mean sure there's a lot of people saying hey the left line left part of the line still needs fixed sure but it's still coming together and they're doing very well so something i, I i'm really excited about there shan i agree with you if it all stops next week, that's fine. But I want it to stop with the Steelers still winning and uh -huh. forces beyond their control, keeping them out of the playoffs. And if they do that, then you hold your head high. And I'm going to urge the stat geek to look up when the Steelers, because the Steelers have had a few two and six seasons. I want to talk about the next season after two and six, um, starting out the first half and when they rebounded because they have had those two and six starts and ended up with a non-losing record in the last 15, 16 years. So I'd like to see exactly where they went. And even more than that, even uh, Cower had a, a two and six start and they ended up, I believe, eight that year and almost in the playoffs. They, uh, they rebounded to go six and two. So that's what I want to talk about. You mentioned 
the Cam Hayward penalty. I got to tell you what, I have changed my mind on that because that's what made me take a shower. You know, Garth Brooks had that song, Unanswered Prayers. I think that was something that uh, you didn't want to happen at the time, but maybe it's a great thing that that stupid penalty happened because it wasn't a stupid penalty on Cam Hayward's fault. It was a stupid penalty on the ref's fault uh, on because of the referees. But that was the ultimate heel move by John Harbaugh. We go back to, we like to talk about, uh, we love to talk about all the time, professional wrestling every once in a while here. That was the biggest professional wrestling move in two different ways. <laughs> One, Ronnie Stanley, great job by holding it and uh, getting the other guy in trouble. But then what was more professional wrestling than on the sidelines, Minka and Cam. That's the equivalent to the Rockers and a super kick going the wrong way or anybody when you hit your own tag team partner with a kick or, or powder or something. And then, you know, the breakups coming and you know, you're throwing Marty Jannetty through a barbershop window. So <laughs> the reason I'm bringing that up because Cam's on the sideline said, I didn't do nothing. Minka's yelling at him, and it's just like at least they have the they have the opportunity to go ahead and look at the replay and go, oh, my bad, Cam. I'm sorry about that. I saw the replay. Yeah, you're right. You didn't do anything. But in wrestling, they don't go watch the replay. They just break out. <laughs> so hopefully right. these guys are a whole lot smarter than that. But I think that fired them up because Mike Tomlin said we had a frank conversation. And the frank conversation at halftime, there's there would come to Jesus's, I guess. There's that kind of stuff at halftime, and they look so much better after halftime, Shannon. <laughs> oh, I was just you said come to Jesus. And I was, oh, yeah, praise the Lord. I, I, oh. <laughs> I needed you to say it so everybody else <laughs> could hear it too. Um, on the audio only side. So um, but with that being said. Man, it felt so good to watch that second half. I thought it was an inspired team the second half. I kind of felt like the Steelers were going to uh, win that game even when they had to settle for that third field goal. I kind of felt like, you know, there was definitely more than enough time when they had the long kickoff return. And next thing you know, that ended in a punt. I knew that this was almost a team of destiny at that point. It made me feel a lot like the week before against Vegas on Christmas Eve. Uh, there was a lot of passion with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I kind of knew it was going to happen. At three and eight, I was starting to wilt. On third and eight, I was starting to feel like, oh, no, this is not going to happen. But Kenny has the magic right now. Now we're calling him Big Ken instead of Big Ben because of two comebacks in a row. Nobody likes my new nickname, Boys to Ken. <laughs> nah, it just does not work, does it? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> okay. It needs more Let's, time to marinate. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll go with Big Ken. We'll, we'll go with Big Ken right now. That's uh, that's pretty good. But he is definitely. Uh, I like Garrett Slingerland. Definitely loves Kenny Clutch. I like Kenny Clutch too. Um. <laughs> um we, we we've heard a lot about uh 
Ice Picket. I like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I tell you what, let's go ahead and take a break because I'm feeling good. We just need to pay a bill. We'll be back right after this on Behind the Steel Curtains, The Hangover. Welcome back to a Victory Monday. It is BTSC's The Hangover. That is a Myron Cope official terrible towel that Tony just held up. Happy birthday last week on the 27th. That looks almost like an original there, Tony. Yeah, my mom found it on the street many years ago, and she gave it to me, and, and uh, I've had it for probably 25 years, maybe. Awesome. That, that looks like a really good one. Uh, yeah, so can you imagine in 2025 the 50 year celebration of the terrible towel i cannot wait for that that is going to be a big deal i might wear nothing but a terrible towel on the show <clears throat> nothing I'll be here no for reaction it. from you guys nothing there i'll be go. here for it i can't wait to see it <laughs> andre williams says kenny come back as well uh, i like kenny come back i i love the fact that this kid you know, Mike Tomlin uses his Tomlinisms all the time. He says them. He he goes ahead and throws out there, you know, that Kenny Pickett didn't blink. He doesn't run from, he runs to adversity, not from it. Yeah, he did. He really did. He had absolutely the way that you need to end a game. Was he perfect that entire game? Absolutely not, he wasn't. But when you look at the fact that you're playing the Baltimore Ravens and you know what that defense I think is nastier and nastier because they just pick up everybody, every veteran and that veteran does well when they come to the Baltimore defense. So, you know, Kenny Pickett all of a sudden in a lot of fans minds is for real. Now, do we need to, you know, do we need to pump the brakes on that? And wait until year number two, or is has Kenny officially arrived, Tony? Well, I think I'm going to see him put a complete game together first. But you know, we have to remember, you know, last last week the, the conditions were awful, so I mean, it was hard to generate offense in that regard. And you know, the Ravens' defense is always stout, always uh, usually dominant. And how many times did Big Ben look? pretty uh quote unquote inexperienced against against the Ravens defense. I mean he they made him look bad uh several times, including last year. So it, it's just a tough robbery when every whenever these two teams get together, they usually throw offense out the window and defense dominates. So I'm just I'm just uh excited about what he did at the end of that game. He showed me a lot in those two that those four minutes the last what was it three minutes and twenty seconds that drive uh, uh took he showed me a lot with uh his poise and, and his accuracy and his ability to throw on a run, which by the way, I think is elite already. So I'm willing to, I'm willing to, uh, to go there already with uh, Kenny Pickett and say he, he, his ability to throw on a run is, is elite. It, it is looking pretty good. And he's got some Elway like zip on that ball too, Shannon. I, you know, Tony's mentioned it twice now. He had, I think three or four passes rolling to his left that he threw the ball across his body, rolling, you know, away from his throwing arm, uh, very accurately and with a ton of zip, uh, which, is, you know, 
Collinsworth said it. I'm not a huge Collinsworth fan, but he said if Patrick Mahomes would have thrown that pass, you know, everybody had been losing their mind today and it would have been all over the place. Uh, Pickett's starting to do that. On, uh, I think it was Tony on Twitter put up a tweet saying that, you know, his ability to throw on the move was one of his strengths. And we're seeing that more and more off-platform, off-schedule throws. When he struggles is if he can't get his momentum or, like, say, somebody's at his feet, uh, you know, and he, like the interception against the Raiders, and he had to kind of throw the bar from the sidearm, uh, the ball from the sidearm angle with, the, you know, his own offensive lineman in his lap. You know, that those that type of arm talent is reserved to Mahomes, Josh Allen, and, and uh, Herbert. I mean, you know, you're not going to see that uh, with everybody. But uh, Kenny definitely has arm talent. And that ability to throw on the move, uh, th- especially going against the grain and, and away from his throwing arm, uh, his accuracy is really incredible. So, um, yeah, I was just very encouraged by that yesterday. Absolutely. That's that's a really good thing to mention. And here's something that I noticed that I haven't heard anybody say as of yet. I know he has – we talked about this for the first Ravens game, that he was told not to lose the game, basically. He could play for field goals if you have to. And you saw, and I made the comment that it looked like Kenny Pickett was going to have, if he would have stayed in that game, would have had 100 yards rushing because he was taking off early and often in the little time that he played in that game. It looked like he could have taken off and run the football yesterday, but he didn't. He was on the run, but he was confident enough to stick with it and still pass the ball. And a lot of running quarterbacks, a lot of people with that ability what they're going to do is they're going to just say, okay, I'm just going to take off and I'll pass another day. So this time he didn't do it. He stuck with it. He did not make mistakes. He did have one that was almost that popped up in the air and Collinsworth made the comment. I don't know how that wasn't picked off. And I mm-hmm. agreed with him. Cause I was like, I don't know how it was either. And everybody knows about everybody knows me for some reason. I love Collinsworth. I think he's right on the money and, and I don't think he hates the Steelers like everybody else does. And another thing about Collinsworth yesterday is when he's agreeing, when fans think that he's agreeing with the Steelers, like on that Hayward play, then that means that it's really an egregious play. If, if fans that don't like Collinsworth were like, even Collinsworth said it. <laughs> Did you all notice in the pregame introductions, you know, they had the little sparkle. Everything was lit up in the stadium. And and uh, they showed Tomlin standing on the sidelines. And he was grinning ear to ear like Chester's cat. I mean, he was so geeked out and amped up. Because a lot of people say they want those big moments. That they want to be in those big games. I believe at this point in Tomlin's tenure, uh, he he lives for them moments. He, he likes nothing. Some people dread those rivalry games and, you know, because of how physical it is and all the injuries and what's at stake. Tomlin lives for that. You see a different Mike Tomlin in those type of moments, in those big moments. And, you know, I've said in an article, when you try to have a conversation about Tomlin, you have the, the 80% that can have a constructive conversation. 
And, you know, then you have the 10% that thinks he walks on water and the 10% that hate him and want him fired. It's impossible for the 80% to have a logical conversation. But regardless of where you fall, I mean, the man is an excellent gentleman, leader. He has done an incredible job with this team. The only thing I've said, and I still believe, is that he has to bear responsibilities for his coordinators because they were previous relationships. And, you know, and he had a, a, that final call in hiring these gentlemen. So, but I was so impressed with the, the, how excited he was to play that game yesterday. And, you know, that, that kind of enthusiasm is contagious and it permeated through the whole team. Terry, let's elaborate more on this because I, I, I like what he's saying, what Shannon is saying about Tomlin before the game. It's almost like Mike Tomlin knew something that nobody else knew. And could that be that 6-2 that they were they were breaking out against the Ravens? Yeah, I think he was uh, – you know, he talked about the, the schematics and how they had to uh, kind of game plan differently than they did the last time when when the Ravens basically kicked their butts in the trenches and that, and that – uh, 16 to 14 loss on December 11th. So I think he, you know, he was proud of the work that, that they put in and he was proud of the fact that he was going to have a couple of young guys, as he called them, young aggressive personalities and, and Leal and, uh, and, and Robinson. Uh, uh, it was playing, playing actually, I have this. Can I, um, it was uh confrontational and yeah. uh, combative. Yeah. Combative. There you go. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he, he knew that, that he put together a good game plan against a, a familiar opponent that, that he thought was going to work. And to me, that, that speaks a lot about, about him and his preparation and, and something that people always uh, criticize him for, that he's just a cheerleader, that he doesn't prepare his teams. You know, Bud Dupree mentioned a couple of years ago, maybe it was 2019, uh, the adjustments that they made in the second half in a game against Cleveland at uh, then Heinz Field. He said, you know, uh, Coach Tomlin went uh, back to high school with us. He went to the chalkboard to make those adjustments. So the guy clearly... He's a football junkie, so why wouldn't he uh, eat, sleep, and everything else football and, and, and put in the necessary work as far as the X's and O's to get his teams ready? And what I, you know, that, that smile that, that Shannon talked about and the, and the challenge, I think he, he relishes this kind of stuff. He relishes this kind of season because he wants uh, uh, to, to prove to people that he can, he can rebuild this roster and, and move forward with a new quarterback uh, uh, and a bunch of young guys. And you saw it last week at the end of that Raiders game. He was so geeked up about uh, mm-hmm. about them growing up. It was, it was a grow up moment. This was a grow up moment. He's relishing this, and I think people uh, they might you see all the angst with the fans and the media all year long. What's wrong with this team? Why are they making this move? Why are they doing that? Why aren't they? You're seeing improvement, but you are seeing improvement if you've been paying attention. Uh, like Shannon and I have been talking about you and everybody. We, we've been saying the most important thing is that they're a much better team by the end of the year than they were at the beginning of the year, and you're starting to see that. And I think that's you're seeing it come through with Mike Tomlin. If you saw that that uh, pivot podcast he did with Ryan Clark, oh, he great. loves this kind of a challenge. He loves to be challenged, and he loves to challenge his players, and he loves when they respond. And I think that's it, it's starting to manifest itself. And I think we're really starting to, to uh, really we should start to appreciate the kind of coach he is, Shannon. Definitely something I want to add to that. Uh, when we talk about coordinators. You know, I don't know Brian Flory's influence uh, or, or Terrell Austin. We know Tomlin's got an influence in it. But the defensive creativity to do that 6-2 yesterday, uh, 
to play Liao and Mark Robertson, who had seven snaps up to yesterday. I've been begging for him to be part of the rotation because I knew he could do what he did. I mean, we had nobody who is aggressively attacking the line. I know he can be exploited in coverage, but limit him to early downs, limit him, you know, say, give him two jobs, either attack the ball carrier, you know, rush the quarterback or spy the quarterback. And that works perfect against a team like the Ravens who who don't throw the ball well. But the difference in coordinators is Austin can show that ability to, you know, back away from the status quo and add a different wrinkle. Like they use the three middle linebackers at the same time against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They've showed some ability to be creative. Whereas Matt Canada, they had to simplify everything to the point that it is now. And he had to rely on the familiarity and the experience of the young talent to come together to actually carry this offense. The reason that they're not throwing the ball downfield more is because they're winning with time of possession, ball control, ball security. You know, they're they're not opening it up yet because I believe they're limited by the coordinator. So I think we're seeing one side of the ball on the defensive side be able to show creativity, whereas the offensive side is not. CD mentions that this, and he did this uh, way before, 6-2 has Brian Flores written all over it. He used to disguise his D that way in Miami. And that's that sounds like uh, his fingerprints right there. So, you know, definitely whatever it was, whoever came up with it, it's the fact that they knew, the Steelers knew it was coming and nobody else did. And that's the way that you take a, what was it? it was 250 yards that uh, they threw on the Steelers in week 14 and now 120 this week. And you had a quarterback not able to run on the Steelers, like a mm-hmm. Ravens quarterback holding holding him to I think thirty four yards at the most or twenty four yards. That's mm-hmm. incredible to do against the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. Dave Schofield had a great comment last night because there were a lot of complaints about Terrell Edmonds and uh, and uh, giving so much up to Mark Andrews. But man, that was your entire offense if you're the Baltimore Ravens. The problem that the Ravens had, they had two receptions thrown to wide receivers, both for nine yards. Mm -hmm. Demarcus Robinson had one for nine. Deshaun Jackson had one for nine. So you, when you, when you're looking at that, when you're looking at something like that, you had to put Terrell Edmonds out on an Island with Mark Andrews. And he's given him a little bit of space, but he's not he's not getting rack on you. He's not getting anything after the catch. So if you're gonna trade that hundred yards to keep Dobbins in check, and now Dobbins still ran for 94 yards on you. But guess who did not? Gus Gus Edwards had two yards. And so with that, you gotta almost look at it like, all right, that's a great way to uh to go ahead and put everything together. And that's a brilliant move on defense. Now um, there's a lot of people asking about if we can explain the six two. Shannon, you might be the best to go ahead and explain that. Would you be able to explain that? I, I believe I know you're having like six men up front. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the movie, all the right moves. Cause it was filmed in my hometown and they had six, two stack, mo- stack monster. Mm-hmm. 
But if you want to go ahead and uh, a few people are asking. Well, a lot of times, if you noticed in the game, you know, they want to go with their best run defense, which if you remember when the Ravens run for 225 yards and, and beat them in Pittsburgh and how frustrated I was, especially when the, the backup quarterback and it never took a snap had to come in the game late in the third quarter, they didn't go ultra aggressive with the run sets. They did it from the beginning in this game. And they even started Mark Robertson and DeMarvin Leal. And what they do is they took uh, Okajobi and Hayward, stuck them in there, and they had, um, uh, you know, Watt and Highsmith. And then they had uh, Leal playing and uh, Robertson, uh, you know, playing up close to the line and being ultra-aggressive. And so a lot of times they were just daring the Ravens to try to exploit them with the passing game, uh, especially across the middle of the field. A couple of times when they did throw across the middle field, the guy was wide open, but you have to sacrifice something, but it's, that's, you know, it's better to get cut that way than to die by a thousand paper cuts. And that's Hmm. what happens if they could not stand up and they got manhandled by that offensive line again. Well, you see a much more, matter of fact, TJ Watt, hurt the Steelers in the first quarter and a half because similar to his rookie year against Jacksonville in the playoffs, he was so amped up. He was just flying around the edge. And the one time that Huntley did have a a good successful quarterback run, they knew that Watt was going to swing around that edge and he ran right through that open gap. Then they would take Ricard, their fullback, and put, set him in motion and send him back. And he was crack black blocking on Watt and kicking him out of the way. And they were having success running the ball at TJ Watt. Now, if you notice, Hal Smith didn't have a lot of statistics, but he held the edge. He set the edge and he made sure they couldn't get wide on his side. And, you know, he had lane responsibility. That's why they were going at Watt. Now, you think it's crazy to run at Watt, but sometimes that's the best way to you know, attack a player of his caliber. So once Watt realized that, if you notice, he wasn't he wasn't just immediately rushing upfield, trying to get around the edge. And that's, you know, the rest of the game, the Ravens' success was, was limited running the ball. So I was so impressed uh, the way they did it. I was expecting more run blitzes. But they didn't have to run blitz by going with that 6-2. One last thing that I want to talk about in this game, and we cannot deny Najee Harris has arrived as well. We've been talking so much about the arrival of Kenny Pickett. Finally, Najee Harris, you know, he is, he was a goat and I'm not talking greatest of all time. He was, I'm talking about goat from like the eighties and nineties when it wasn't a good thing, hero (laughs) or goat. And he was considered a goat and he was considered, uh, you know, everybody at the middle of the season before the bye, when they were complaining about him just dancing and it was starting to get frustrating, but he has really, he's gotten healthy and he's coming to his own. He's a leader in that team. And Jennifer Prusser just brought this up and we haven't been talking about this much at all, but moving Kenny Pickett in the open hole during the quarterback sneak really was fantastic. Man, he pushed him. That's a leader, yeah. guys. That is a leader. Right. Right. 
Tell him to take it. He, he practically picked him up and carried him. I mean, it was, that was a fantastic move by him. And, and, and yeah, you mentioned it, Brian, the, the health issue with him earlier in the year. I don't think people were taking it as seriously as they should have, because it was, you know, it started in training camp with Liz Frank and, and, you know, you know, we think, all right, a couple of weeks, they should be okay. But you know, these things linger. And, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure if he, if he could have run hard and hit the hole over those first six or eight games, he would have. But I don't think it's a coincidence that it suddenly started to happen for him after the bye. Once he once he had a couple weeks to a couple extra weeks to heal and get that foot just right. And what you're seeing over these last seven games, that's the guy that they drafted in the first round. That's that's that player. He's a leader. Uh, he's hard nosed. It looks like after last night, he finally appreciates the, the, that rivalry with the Ravens. He probably craves something like that after all those battles he had in the SEC. So uh, I'm really, really excited about him. And I'm looking forward to him being uh, a bell cow running back for them for, for many years to come. Now I want to go ahead and before I throw it to Shannon, I don't want him to be a bell cow running back. No cowbell. No, because of this, because of the one, two punch of Najee Harris and Warren. And I think Shannon, I think what makes him, even more of a leader is the fact that he's accepting the inclusion and understands the existence of Jalen Warren keeps him f- more fresh. Oh, definitely. He's a, he realizes um, last night was the first time and Tony mentioned it. In my opinion, that we have seen the real reason why the Steelers selected Najee Harris with that first pick last year. Because that's the first time I could actually say that he ran behind an offensive line that was above average in the NFL. They Their performance last night was an above average performance for an offensive line. Uh, I do not remember the last time I could say that. So we've said all along, if the offensive line can at least be average, Najee Harris is going to look totally different. And we've seen that last night. I mean, he was... Uh, he wasn't hurdling people. He was just leaping over little small, you know, uh, hurdles over guys in inside in the interior and keeping that momentum and just plowing through. He looked fresh. He bounced outside one time and showed the burst to get around the end. Something that, like Tony said earlier in the year, with the foot injury, I don't think he would have been able to do. So I think he's getting a little bit of that burst back that he was missing early in the year. But Jalen Warren is the perfect complimentary back because you've got Harris, you know, who's big and strong and a power back. And then you've got Warren who, what he uses his lack of height to his advantage. When he gets behind those linemen and looking for a hole, a lot of times they lose sight of him. The defense does. And then he accelerates so aggressively mm-hmm. into the hole. Uh, he's just been a, a diamond in the rough. Um, my wife, every time she goes, she goes, oh, Mighty Mouse is in there. Mighty Mouse is in there. You oh, know, I like but, that. Because we, we, you know, we started calling him Monster mm-hmm. Hamster, but but I like the Mighty Mouse. I really do. I, it fits him. And uh, uh, she, when he made that nice catch where he had to jump up in there and catch it, when Pickett was rolling to his left again and threw it, she said, well, Mighty Mouse did wear a cape, didn't he? He can fly. So Warren has showed that he's got an mm-hmm. all-around game. And he'll definitely lay a lick on you and pass blocking. So, yeah, I'm very excited about that tandem for the future. 
Somebody mentioned before that they'd they'd love to watch a game with Shannon White. Man, I'd rather watch it with his wife. It sounds like she has more <laughs> football acumen. I I do have to clarify something. Uh, I kind of uh, I I kind of uh, contradicted what Tony said about the bell cow running back, but you know, Tony is right because you're still going to you're still going to have Najee Harris carrying most of the load, but if you can get it to be 70 or 65 to 30 to 35, then it's not the bell cow that is going 90 to 95. And you can still have that lead back and not, he's definitely the lead back, but if you have something like that and have someone you can rely on, that's absolutely fantastic. Tate boy says this, not only uh, great players, but our young core on offense have great IQ 22, 888, 44. They definitely have great football IQ and make sure you're checking out my good friend, Kevin Tate on, we weren't run the North. That is an awesome show that if you're, if you're missing it, then you're missing great uh, bar barber barbershop conversation. Like they like to call it. It is, it's absolutely fantastic. You'll be hearing that in the off season as well. So gentlemen, we're excited about a lot of things. This Pittsburgh Steelers live to fight another day. All I care about is how they fight against the uh, Cleveland Browns. That matters the most, but I'm still going to be watching the heck out of those other games. And with what is coming up with the fact that the Buffalo Bills are still the Buffalo Bills taking on the Patriots. And with the fact that Miami is depleted and decimated, we can actually look at this as, wow, there is a huge chance that the Pittsburgh Steelers pull this miracle off. So we are going to be watching. We're going to be talking about it all week long here at Behind the Steel Curtain. Make sure you check out Shannon White on Wednesday night as they're talking to somebody from the Browns. I'm not sure yet who yet. Tony, Shannon, get on that. Uh, Tony, um, make sure you check him out on Friday nights as well. And that is the six-pack with Tony. Really good stuff. Uh, Jerry Cherry Band says, who to root for tonight? Whoever you think is going to whatever, really, whatever scenario you think fits the Steelers best. Some of us think that it's Buffalo. Some of us think it's Cincinnati. I think most of us think it's Buffalo. I think it's Cincinnati, but I'm usually in that 1%. So with that being said, it's time to get on out of here. Any final thoughts, Tony Defio? Uh, Mike Tomlin, 16 years. He said one week where his team was out of the playoffs at kickoff time. And uh, that was two years ago. So that's all I have to say about that. Go Steelers. Uh, I have a pretty good feeling they're going to they're, they're gonna uh, make the playoffs. Shannon White. My, during training camp, my – uh, training camp sensations, you know, before the training camp started was Jalen Warren on offense and Mark Robinson on defense. And we're seeing that, uh, they're both have a bright future in Pittsburgh. Uh, very excited about that. Cause you got a seventh round draft pick and an undrafted guy. And when you can hit on those guys, that's how you build championship teams. And don't forget about guys like Steven Sims as well, who is playing his heart out. And uh -huh. I uh, I think he brings a better opportunity to the Steelers than what Ray Ray McLeod did last couple of years. Definitely. So I'm really excited to see him in the game plan. And a guy that we were railing on a whole lot because of some mistakes in week two and week four, 
But I really like what Gunnar O is doing for this offense as well and for special teams in different situations. So those are guys that uh, Gunnar O is the kind of guy that could come up big in a big spot. And you might even see something like that happen really, really soon. And then we'd be singing the legend of Gunnar O. But with that being said, it is time to get on out of here. For Tony Defio, for Shannon White, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. This has been The Hangover on Behind the Steel Curtain, and we are blessed to have all of you with us. Thank you so much for supporting us throughout 2022. Let's do it even more in 2023. Definitely go Steelers. And I've got to say this to you, just when you think you've got all of the answers. We keep changing the quiz. Shannon Daddy, take us home. Woo! Woo, indeed. Go Steelers. Week 18. 